Hello and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy and children coming at both of those topics from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about silence in therapy or silence in being with and working with children in general. A lot of time on this podcast so far has been dedicated to the things that we say and do when we're with children. But one of those things that is important for us to have as a skill in our back pocket and that can help deepen what's happening inside of the session and allowing the child's process to unfold however it unfolds is working with silence. And silence is something that as a play therapist is one of my personal growth edges. I can find myself being a little bit too chatty at times during sessions or I can find myself wanting to highlight some sort of meaning for the client in the session, or wanting to summarize parts to make sure that we're not missing anything and they're not missing anything. And for that reason, I can be a little bit too talkative and sometimes have to hold myself back and be intentional about not verbalizing things to allow the client to have as much space to express themselves and to work through whatever it is that they've come into session to work through. And one of the times for me personally when silence comes up and it's a little bit of an easier one is when children ask me to be quiet. And I'm sure that's an experience other play therapists have had when a child says, I don't want you to talk or I would you please talk less or shut up is something I've heard that's a little bit more aggressive on that spectrum. And I've heard other people deal with this in other ways. I was originally taught that I can express to the child that I can talk less, but I'm still going to talk some, that I still get to control what comes out of me. And that felt in line at the time with how I thought play therapy should go, that it felt important for me to verbalize at a certain number of intervals or to name what's happening, even if the child was asking me to shut my mouth. I feel very differently about that now, and part of why I feel differently about it has to do both with an unwavering belief that children are bringing things into session that they need to work on and their process with those things is their own and that there is enough witnessing and being with that can happen in silence that those verbalizations don't matter so much. But another reason why is because in my own therapy, and probably doing our own therapy is the best thing that we can do as therapists. But when I have something very large come up in my sessions and I'm working through it and I'm having some big feelings, there have been times with different therapists that I've seen when when they say things, it doesn't quite land with me or it feels like it's interrupting my process or it feels like it's taking me off of my process into some sort of other direction where they think I should go. And the therapist in that sense that I'm working with might actually have a pretty good idea of where things will go and maybe even are right about what the next step is and might be trying to guide me toward that next step. But whatever it is that they're saying, I'm not ready for it at that time. And when children are giving us direct concrete feedback to be quiet during a session, what they are communicating to us in that moment is that our verbalizations are not very helpful 
for whatever it is that they're dealing with and that they're working through. And the therapy is about them, after all. I mean, there are some instances, like on the podcast a little while ago, about resistance, where we may choose to see a child that does not want to be seen because we believe it's in in their best interest to have therapy. And that's a dangerous thing to do if we're being child-centered, to say that we know best. But that is a circumstance where, inevitably, we will come across situations like that. In terms of a child asking us to be quiet... There are so many ways that we can communicate to them that we're with them. We can communicate with our bodies. We can communicate with our sort of facial expressions. We can communicate just by internally being present and aware of them and what's happening with them and what's happening inside of their play and then in the relationship and in the room. And those verbalizations that we would make would ultimately then just be for us. If this person in front of us is saying that our saying something isn't helpful, we can trust them in that. We can trust them in that. And that also, I think, helps to to be more... It doesn't do any damage to the relationship, say. It helps that they feel respected in that moment when we are following their lead, when we're listening to to them about this. This is the one space that they go to that is 100% about them, and they get to be in control, and that includes how much we are talking or not talking. I haven't had sessions with someone yet who had me, you know, be quiet for the entirety of their therapeutic experience with me in sessions. Maybe there was a period of time when that happened and that that would lessen and lessen with time. And I could see that lessening as us deepening our relationship and and both that they're more comfortable working with me on their process and being connected to me. And that also... I become very aware during those times of like, what am I saying and how is what I'm saying helpful and remembering that it's the relationship that is important and it's the relationship that is healing and it's what they're bringing in that determines what their process is and how we conceptualize the process is maybe helpful in us deepening our empathy with the child. It might be helpful in us understanding what's happening therapeutically. We then maybe have a sense of what we can communicate to the adults in this child's world about what's going on for this child. But in terms of like what's happening in this moment in this session, how we think about it isn't very important. And then our thoughts do not necessarily need to be communicated to the child if the child isn't open to hearing them. So that's one aspect of silence. That's an aspect of silence where we respect their process and we respect them as people and we take the feedback that they're giving us about how much we're talking. But silence has another very important function and... This one's a little bit more difficult for me to articulate, but I'm going to give it a shot. Let's say the following is true. When we see children in therapy, those children are bringing themselves into sessions and they're bringing in what they need to work on with us in our playrooms. They are bringing in their pain. They are bringing in their trauma. They are bringing in all of their experiences and their difficulties as a person being alive in their homes, in their schools, and in their communities. They're bringing in their struggle. During their time with us, the hope and even the expectation is that they will be able to heal from their pain inside of their session with us. That they have internal injuries 
and that during their time with us, those internal injuries can be healed. That's the hope. And they can be whole again and live their lives less in pain and less damaged and less with less internal struggle and chaos than the first time that they came to see us. If all of that is true, then our play spaces are healing spaces. And if our play space is a healing space, I fall in the boat that, and I think this was discussed maybe in the Living a Child-Centered Life episode, but that healing is sacred work. Healing for lots of the human experience fell under the spiritual realm. Both physical and emotional healing would have fallen under that realm for a long time that humans had been on the planet. And, you know, you could say first that physical ailments became medicalized and now emotional ailments have also become medicalized. And I get it with the physical stuff. I mean, if you go to a doctor and that doctor because you have an infection and that doctor gives you antibiotics. I mean, that's pretty neat that we've invented something that can heal infections, but that experience might not feel all that sacred. It's medicine. And medicine is sacred in many traditions, but like my doctor's office doesn't feel like a very, you know, holy or spiritual place. There's nothing mysterious about that process. There is something very mysterious, for me at least, about how children, through leading their own therapy, are able to heal emotionally from their past. I am consistently amazed at children's ability to do that. There are times when it's like, I can't believe that this has happened again. That this child has taken this process where they needed to go, and they've moved through it, and through these sessions have found themselves integrating everything about them, and they're not living these disconnected lives any longer. And there are, to my mind, specific sessions where that healing feels most intense. When, say, a play theme has been going on for a little while, and there's struggle, maybe you've got play where there's someone who's under threat and they have to keep hiding. Maybe someone, a character's taking revenge over and over again on these other characters. Maybe these, like, bad events just keep happening and happening to the people in the play and there's just fear and hiding and pain and chaos. But no play theme in my experience sticks forever. And there are sessions when those play themes have the opportunity to be resolved. When a hero comes in, and saves the day and provides some support to the people who are struggling when the individuals who have been on the run from all these scary things find a place where they are safe and can call home and start to build a life and community there. There can be those sessions when a play theme has reached this point when another healing element has been introduced. And when that happens, there is a part of me that wants to be as reverential as possible of that process and the best way that i know how to be reverential is to be in focused and connected silence with what's happening that doesn't mean there's not the opportunity for words in these spaces there there is or there can be but with a session that feels particularly important in that way some kind of a shift is occurring, some kind of healing shift is occurring. The child has brought on their own this healing element into the room. Our words 
that we use in that circumstances, if we're not careful, can interrupt whatever that process is. In terms of the work that we've been trying to do, we've made it. They've been playing out this play theme for a long time that's got a lot of pain, or they've been in some sort of whatever it is that they've been bringing in that they've been struggling with and cycling through with us. And then when this healing thing comes in, we can just be there and witness it with silence. And I wish I had a better way to describe what those moments are for a child. The only way that I really can say that I know for sure what's happening is what I'm feeling inside of myself in those moments and also like what is the shift in the play theme and what's happening in the room but it can feel like when something important is happening that the energy in the room is is heightened that especially inside of the child you could see that they're more focused or more tense or they're quieter or there's something different that's occurring here and I guess saying that like, oh, as the play therapist, you'll just kind of know and feel into it when it's happening is maybe a dangerous thing to do. We all have our own filters and personalities and past experiences that cause us to not see things clearly all the time because we're humans like other humans. But, you know, with getting supervision, with getting our own therapy, like we can we can have a sense. We, we do have to trust our feelings at least somewhat in what's happening in this space. Because in that moment... All I really want to communicate to a child is, I'm here. I'm here with you, and I know what's happening. And it can be a lot easier to communicate that sentiment with silence than with words. And I think in terms of silence, and maybe this is slightly off of the topic of like being silent intentionally in sessions, but something that I do myself, and uh, yeah, I know that parents that I see do as well is when we have something to communicate to a child or whether that's a limit that we're setting or trying to get them to understand a particular thing in a situation I think as adults we have a tendency to to over talk and that can be from a place of love that can be from a place of wanting the child to know that we still care about them that could be you know, on maybe a slightly less healthy end of the spectrum, like wanting the child to take on and and understand that our point of view is the correct point of view, which children often, you know, want us to understand their point of view too. But I name all this in with silence because I do believe that there can be a simpler way of communicating with children that does include more silence and that does include more space for them. As adults, you know, I think we can be guilty of being energetic around children, like wanting them to like us. Maybe it's from a place of insecurity, wanting them to be happy, afraid of them being unhappy. There's different ways that we can fill up the space verbally when we're around children instead of allowing them to do that or instead of allowing there to be silence and calmness and stillness in a child's life. The world can feel like there's noise all the time, whether it's people talking or the television's on or people have their phones and they're watching something or like whatever it is, there's a lot of noise. And people can be critical of children at times for, you know, a stereotype of children is that they talk too much. And like all things where we sort of can criticize a child about a particular thing, it always feels good for us to take a look at ourselves and to recognize... Like, hey, when when am I silent around 
my child. And I don't mean silent necessarily in like a, you know, we're disconnected and I'm doing my own thing on my phone or something and they're playing a video game and we're silent. But when are we silent in connection with each other? When do we just sit in silence with each other? And perhaps the answer to that is never. Silence allows us the opportunity to slow down and allows us the opportunity to know what's happening on a deeper level or connect to what's happening on a deeper level. And that that's true for play therapists as we're working. I, I put too much pressure on myself to talk when I could be silent more and just be with. I think parents can put pressure on themselves to communicate lots of things to their children instead of allowing them the space to figure things out and to have their emotions and just to be with them in that experience. Silence is reverential of each person's own individual process that we cannot guide children to wholeness and to healing without them being there with us. And from my perspective, without them being powerful and having agency and ultimately guiding and directing that process. And the best way for us to know what that process is, to know what any child's process is, is to be silent and be with them and be observing of them instead of communicating verbally all the time what our own thoughts and feelings are. And obviously that is an important part of therapy is talking. We can't just have a whole session where we're sitting silently unless we've been like ordered to do so (laughs) by the child and then we'll consider it or in my case uh, we'll do it but the more we're able to be silent with children I think allows us space to tune into them and allows us also to notice like what comes up for us when we're silent are we anxious that you know we we want them to know that we're there with them that's my problem at least is that I want them to know that I care and that I'm here and that's why I talk more than I should sometimes We could be silent because we want them to understand, or we could be not silent because we want them to understand something. We could be not silent for any number of reasons, but those reasons are our own personal problem. And if you are a play therapist or even a parent who struggles with being silent with your child, it's an opportunity to recognize what's coming up for you and to address that thing because that thing is your own personal problem which is not me trying to put responsibility on someone. We all have things that we're uncomfortable with in this life, but it does feel important for all of us to to know what those things are and then to not pass those things on and the dynamics we have with the children that we spend time with. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Uh, thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. I've got multiple books out at this point in a child-centered book series focused on witnessing children and their painful experiences. Uh, Those books are I Get Mad, which is about anger, and On Sharing, which is about sharing. I've also got Abstract Art Workshop for Healing and Self-Awareness. That's available on my website, which is me trying to see if I can do therapeutic art sessions with people without actually being present with them. So if you try that, let me know, because I'll be curious to see how it went. And uh, as always, you can contact me at barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Thank you.